Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back to the show. Uh, former Washington Capital player, now broadcaster Al May. He's our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Hello, Al. How are you doing? Doing good, Bob. How's everything up there? Well, we're dealing with uh, some fallout involving Philip Broberg and a little bit of a communication snafu. Uh, Reported earlier today, the Oilers were potentially looking at moving them. Then it was reported that Darren Ferris had received permission to shop for a trade and then subsequently reported, no, not necessarily. That's uh, Ryan Rashog uh, tweeting out. saying that he did not grant permission for Darren Ferris to shop for a Broberg trade. Ferris's response, uh, this is matter reflects both my and my client's frustration with the Oilers. I'm activating, uh, actively collaborating uh, with Ken to address and resolve this I- issue privately. Um, so, so these things happen sometimes. Uh, we know that. They happen with better players than Philip Broberg. I remember Kobe Bryant. There was a time, God rest his soul, where it looked like he was going to move the Lakers. How many? T- how many times, by the way? Uh, how many agents did you have during your career, Al? Well, I, I fired my first two. Um, my first one wouldn't sign my contract to get me whole, so I represented myself on my first one. And then my second one was supposed to be doing my taxes, and he didn't do my taxes, so I fired him. And a few years later, the IRS and the FBI showed up at my house because the guy was a total lie. And But I'd already been a rookie here in the NHL. I hired a guy named Ron Seltzer, and he was absolutely awesome and excellent for me. Ron Seltzer, was he not one of the guys, along with Rich Winter, that played a factor in Alan Eagleson ultimately um, sort of <laughs> uh, getting, getting, a little, getting a little bit of trouble? exposing what was going on in uh, yeah. the Players Association. Yeah, and Ron and Rich were big factors in that. And, you know, it's funny how brainwashed people were back then. People don't want to believe what they don't want to believe. And then, it, you know, so much came out about what was going on and, you know, how he was in cahoots with teams and other ways. But it was just uh, – it, it was hilarious, but I think maybe everything used to work that way, but it was those two guys were a huge factor in it. Yeah, there's nothing in politics that works that way in the city that you're in for a lot of the year, right, in Washington? There's nobody in cahoots, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, God. I think I think every single person is, yes. And we won't even get into uh, the uh, NCAA college football uh, process that took place for the Final Four. All right. Uh, so, did you did you ever have an agent? Uh, did, did did Ron ever at some point ask the Capitals for a trade or talk to the uh, GM about a, a matter of playing time, or did that just not occur back when you were playing? No, you know, he, the, the good agents represent their players very well, and you know, some guys are are pushier than others. But I actually, you know, when you look at it from afar, you look what's wrong with some of these guys and they become public figures. And then you realize what they're really doing is they're going to bat for their player and they're going hard. They've got a loyalty and I have nothing wrong. The older I get, I have nothing wrong with that. And, you know, there, there are some guys you think, why would that guy do that? But, you know, they shake and rattle and they get things done and they're representing their players best interests. And if the teams don't like it, well, that's tough because the the team's not playing. You know, the player's not paying the team to represent him. He, he had to hire someone a lot of times to go to war, 
and represent because most of the players really would never say what's on their mind or confront anyone. Uh, just not in their DNA and how they're programmed from, from young kids. You know, guys are really uh, subservient when they're players. And, you know, the big coaches can bully them, GMs can bully them, you know, whatever it is. Uh, older players, and they just kind of take it, kind of go with the flow, but they need a strong voice, and that's why you pay an agent to do the dirty work. Well, and, and the other thing is, the agent usually are mature men, and the players are becoming men, right? Like, often the players are years, I mean, you're at a completely different level as a I'd like to think I've matured a bit over the years. I know one thing, I gained a lot of weight over the years, but you have a completely different level of confidence as a as a guy in his 40s or 50s than you do when you're in and you can have uh, you know a body like a greek god and be ultra smart and not have the same confidence that you do later in your life even though you might look like fred flintstone you know it just it's a it's a level of confidence so you know what i'm saying like i think that's part of the dynamic there is just because you get some pretty worldly older players and veterans in the league well, you know, the big thing, you just take, for example, a 21-year-old player speaking in front of a group, a 31-year-old, a 41, and then a 51 and a 61-year-old, you know, former veteran player. They can speak in front of everyone and know what they say. They're not going to be nervous, and, and it's just part of the maturity process of life. So it, it's – and it's the same thing. I think some of the older players, though, are still so stuck in their way because you live in such a bubble as a pro athlete. Uh, you're not really exposed to a lot of the real world, and I think you're behind at times. So some guys are so stuck and set in their ways, and we see this whenever there's a labor agreement. You know, if the labor leader, uh, will say the union head for the NHL says something, he's got his group around him, you know, they're not going to go against him. And they're just gonna they're gonna drill it down to everyone like it's fact, not fiction. And we saw that with what Bob Goodnow did to the Players Association. They had, and then the guy after him, Saskin, uh, they had their supporters, and those guys were so wrong. It was incredible how wrong some of those and, and most of those supporters were with those guys. And so you know, you, you, it's better to have someone that can take a step back that deals in different you know paths of life and most agents aren't just agents that you know they're involved in a lot of other things and they're exposed to a lot more so it's just i think they're more worldly and a young player and even an older player uh they're not going to stand up to teams for the most part and if they do they're not going to do it correctly in my opinion all right that's switch focus to the washington capitals was it jenny kuznetsov actually a healthy scratch he was, yes, and deservedly so. And I think that, you know, there was probably a battle within the, just the, co- the, the coach himself wondering, should I do this? You know, do I want to do this? And But when we look at it, uh, you know, when you go by the, the fancy stats and the numbers, the analytics, and whatever you want to refer to them as, his have been awful. And so has the eye test with Evgeny. And, you know, his body language isn't good right now. He, he's dug himself in a hole the way he's playing, and, and he just seem, can't seem to get out of it. And maybe a reset or, you know, uh, uh, whether he's going to sit out just one game. I don't know if he's going to sit out the next game against Dallas but on Thursday night, but it remains to be seen. They got absolutely waxed last night. Uh, I can't say that any player played great. I can't pretty much say that every player was way less than and it was the end of a road trip, and it's funny. When you look at the game, they got trounced last night by the Coyotes 6-0, and they had awesome analytics. 
<laughs> it was maybe maybe one of their best performances of the year on the laptop. But you don't score goals from a laptop, and uh, you've got to score goals on the ice. So it, it, it's kind of comical how it works. But Evgeny did sit out last night, and as I said, I think deservedly so. Capitals uh, broadcaster, former Capital player Al Mays, our Oilers now headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Uh, Al, uh, we, we talked to you uh, the day before the Edmonton Oilers took on the Washington Capitals, and, and the Oilers had a good third period against Carolina and they dominated they, they drilled the caps in that afternoon game I mean it was not and I know Washington played a bunch of home games but if not for Charlie Linger and Edmonton could have won that game seven or eight nothing L I mean it was all Edmonton and it started something you, uh, you know what all right good you tell me it, why it, I'm wrong it, 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 tell me why I'm wrong it, no it, it, you're not wrong but what it reminded me of was the year before when Washington went into after getting trounced in Calgary yeah. on the Saturday night, they went early into, and they went on a tear for the rest of November and most of December until John Carlson was hurt. So it was, I, I was laughing to myself. I go, this could be the game that gets the Oilers going and just sets them on fire as long as everyone stays healthy. Yeah. They're, they're on a, a good path. And you could see Connor, that was the first game that I'd seen him play where he actually completely dominated with the puck every shift, and he started to feel it. He was all over the place inside the offensive and neutral zone. The puck wasn't falling off the stick. His passes were being made. Everything he doing, and you could just start to see that he started to feel it that night. And I don't know if he was dinged up or what was going on with him, but he wasn't quite right. And that looks like the game where things started to go well for him. And, you know, I thought the Capitals paid way too much respect to McDavid and Dreisaitl that game. And they got away from what they were successful at for the three weeks prior and dug themselves a hole with the way they played in that game. And they never recovered because they sat back. And when they've been at their best, they've been pushing teams and going at them. And for a team like Edmonton that had been struggling so much defensively inside their own zone, not just defensemen, but goalies and exposed, not goalies, but forwards, and then putting their goalies at such risk. The Caps didn't apply any pressure, and Edmonton's defensemen were able to start gaining some confidence. And basically, Edmonton looked like they were the home team, and Washington looked like the road team that game. And then it looked like Edmonton rattled off. I'm not sure exactly what the record is. They're four and zero. Better than it was coming. Yeah, they were four and zero. It was a lot better than a lot better than what they were going in there as and that road trip seemed like it was a disaster until that game in Washington. See and I think I mentioned this to you before the the Tampa Florida Carolina road trip that usually involves Washington every year to me that's the toughest road trip of the year for the Oilers every year because the the two Florida teams are good Carolina and you know uh Carolina's got a, and they're in here tomorrow night they're not great in the road they're 6 and 7 and they're not getting a lot of stops either. Uh, but I, 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 I think that's a tough trip every year for Edmonton. Well, is it tough because you don't know how to pack because of the weather everywhere? But yeah, you know, it's it, it, there's some distance between all the teams, and all four of those teams play drastically different. And, yes. You know, I'll, I'll just be, you know, like Florida's a pretty gritty team that can play fast at times, and they do a lot of the extracurricular. Tampa. You know, they they can rely on the power play and the high-end guys and then take away the middle of the ice and then play in the Carolina. A lot of times those games are over before they start because they're so aggressive. Yes, that's what happened. That's the what opposition happened. Zone. Yeah, they're... And I think one of the reasons, though, why they why they kind of die out in the playoffs is because they play at 110 miles an hour, 
uh, all season long, and they don't really change anything that they're doing. So you know what's coming, uh, but they're always in your face, and I, I, they don't change their tactics, and that may be one of the problems that they have when it comes to the playoffs. And I hear you talking about their defensemen all the time. I don't think that group is as good as you do. I think some of those players have slowed down quite a bit. And it, they they can be exposed as the season goes on because they play so aggressively. I think the guys who aren't the perfect skaters, the great skaters, they start to falter and fatigue and make a lot of mistakes come late in the year and certainly in the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't look this year like Pesci's quite what he used to be, and he's a UFA. They're going to re-sign Brady Shea, and they're going to let uh, Pesci walk. Al, great stuff. Thanks for joining us, okay? Take care, Bob. 646 in Edmonton. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Escott, when we return on orders now. We, we've heard from Brennan Escott on this whole situation with Philip Roberg. And, uh, hey, give credit to Ryan Shaw. He did some good reporting. Mm-hmm. Got a quote from Ken Holland uh, and a quote from Philip Broberg's agent, Darren Ferris. Uh, seems to be like a little bit of a communication breakdown. What's your take on all this, Reed? Well, it's... I, I could understand why Broberg and or his camp are frustrated. Same here. I completely um, understand it. I, I think that there have been uh, some times he's shown some progress and then hasn't been necessarily rewarded with more ice time or more responsibility. Now, I do think there's always responsibility on, on the player too. Um, but yeah, this is starting to look a little bit like a mismanaged asset. I, I hate to say that because, it's fair you know, I know they want their first-round picks to succeed, but, you know, at, at some point you either got to say, okay, like you're in the AHL and you're playing 27 minutes a night and you've got to su- suck it up and improve for two years, right? Or if you're up here, then, then fine, find a role for him. Now, has Broberg asserted himself or totally proven who he is? No, maybe not. Um, but it's it's been a little it's been a little odd with him, and especially because the Oilers, Bob, like did not have the most depth on defense. Uh, no. I mean, hey, everybody loves Vinny and his story, and I would I never question the guy's heart and work ethic. You know, you're probably a better team if he's seven or even eight within your organization, seven as opposed sure. to the, as opposed to a kind of. The for sure six right now, and again, but he's doing a great job. Is, of the you peak. know what? Off, he, and and he will eat a puck for this team to win, right? He's their so, best penalty killing defense. Yeah, so, him and Ekholm are really good. They're part of the reason the PK is twenty to twenty one. Yeah, this is going to get tricky to say the least. What do you got? Well, com- yeah, it is. Oh well, yeah, you Kelly, got Kelly Rudy Kelly's tonight. on tonight. Yeah, so uh, Kelly's always great. Uh, I'm going to have the guy who made uh, Christine Sinclair cry in an interview, Gene Principe. Really? Yeah. When was that? So, well, it was a long time ago, like almost 20 years, I think. Or was maybe it, over 20 years. Was it a good thing? Well, he's going to tell the story. All right, well, I'll He have made to, her cry. I'm he's Gene. Of, right. of all the people, he made Pat Maroon cry. Remember that? Yeah. Gene Principe. Nicest guy ever. <laughs> so that's my show. And we'll talk about who knows what else. All right. There we go. That's Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports, who will have the City Ford Faceoff show tomorrow at 6 o'clock. We'll be on 4.30 to 6. Yeah. yeah. Game's at 7.52. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. So uh, more Rob Brown during the end. Lots we should, of... should we find something to drop in there? I don't know. I don't know. We got Ken Holland. Maybe Gene the... will make us cry. <laughs>
Yeah, th- Ken Holland on third. I'm on with Mac T tomorrow night, by the way, on NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. No, the 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 thing with the hat, the game is not till January first, right? right? Yes. Right. So it's Michigan's the one, and Alabama's the four. Who did Michigan beat in the championship game for their league? Iowa. They were terrible because they'd already beaten Ohio State. They that were, was really the championship game, right? Because they're in the same conference in the Big Ten, they're, they're in the which same. now has 18 teams, yeah. or will. And Texas is in the SEC next year, by the way. And what's the SEC going to be up to, 16 or 18? Yeah. Uh, 16. So two eight-team. Okay. And will they still have a traditional so rival up, from the other side? It's going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they'll still play Auburn every year and LSU every year, which, All right. which is, you know. Anyways, Reed Wilkins, uh, tonight with Inside Sports, Brendan Escott has this day in order's history for New West Travel. We sold out our trip to Nashville. We sold out our trip to Montreal. We will announce the trip shortly. Uh, stay tuned on that front. Uh, what are, we're going to go back to... I th- Did I do this game? No, I did not. Uh, you're... Oh, I... What, what date is it? What today? day is it? Uh, this, <laughs> what's, where are we getting the R2-D2 sounds from? No, 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 no. It's, it's me. It's my okay. mic. I know exactly what happened this day. 2007, the yeah. Oilers uh, taking a 2-0 lead into the third period on the yep. strength of goals from Sean Horkoff and Robert Nielsen, but lose 4-2 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby with three assists uh-huh. that night. Oh, yeah. Roley the goalie. That in was that. his first game in Edmonton, was it not? Yeah. yeah. You know what happened, Brendan? You know who Mac T put together to shadow that line? Jarrett Stoll, Rafi Torres, and Zach Stortini. Hmm. And there was a open dialogue on the bench in the third period of that game as Sydney was just ripping them apart. And guess who were healthy scratches the next game when the Oilers played the St. Louis Blues December 7th of 07 at 7 p.m. Because I was on the air on Total Sports and the other station until 6 and got quite the phone call that night. It'll be in my book, all the stuff I knew that I couldn't say, except the word stuff will be replaced with another word that <laughs> rhymes with bit. Uh, all the that I knew that I couldn't say. Anyhow, that's why I remember it so well. So yes, Torres and Stoll were healthy scratches after going head-to-head against Sidney Crosby in the third period with Zach Stortini on the shutdown line. Funny how that worked out. And now we have Mac T on the show, and he's brilliant. He's a fantastic ad. Tomorrow, it is a fluid show. One of our guests for Abe's Door Service will be from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Elliot Friedman. We'll obviously be setting up the Oilers and the Hurricanes. Stay tuned. We've got another prominent guest joining us tomorrow's show as well. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports tonight. James Dunn has a global news weather traffic update. Thank you to both Callan Kennedy and Brendan Escott.